it's like people just walked in to the middle of our conversation. It's ironic because the conversation hadn't even started yet. All you told me was that you're about you're you're gonna race your dirt bike this weekend and you want to talk about what goes into training like Christian Bale for the machinist. Yeah. Literally <laughs> cutting just cutting weight. That's all I've been doing. Um are you, no, I was are you to cutting weight who's on purpose? No, I'm actually not cutting weight on purpose. I was cutting weight on purpose uh before my knee surgery. And then I continued to cut weight um, just because I liked being lighter and I like being lighter. So I'm down to like 200, which isn't, I guess, small, but it's lighter than I've been. I, I hit a wall. I went from 218 to like 210 and just hit a wall. It was like, no, nope, you're not going to lose more weight than this because uh, I was pretty lean, you know, and uh I did the inter- started doing the intermittent fasting stuff and a lot of weight came off. But no, the reason I wanted to talk about that is I was talking to a friend who's doing an uh, endurance race. It's like a four-day adventure race in Portugal. And he was like, I saw you – or he's, he was like, you mentioned training for a dirt bike race? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you need to train for that? And I'm like, yeah. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> and he had no idea he – he goes, is that physically demanding? <laughs> well, so he had no people, idea. People train, like people, especially the people that are on our programming are training for like a specific event a lot of the time. Like, and not, yeah, not dirt biking. They, they do that as recreational and climbing and all that other stuff. Like people do those things as a way to break up their, their gym time. And it's kind of funny to think do. about, yeah, if you're at the top of your game though. Like if you want to win, that means you're training to be fit. Or for if everything. you're like me and you're really bad at riding dirt bikes, but you want to be competitive, you're, you just want to be the dude that's in the best shape. I mean, but look at like the guys who are the best. They're all in really good shape and they train. Oh, they're in phenomenal shape. Like they, I remember. Well, so the interesting part to me was he didn't think, I, I would argue it's got to be one of the most demanding, physically demanding sports they're all at the top. They're all so demanding, but it is it is a super demanding sport. You're basically wrestling a sixty horsepower bicycle for however long you know your event is. But if you think about it, like I know when I was growing up, professional athletes didn't really cross train. Like Bo Jackson was one of the first like athletes that was like, "Yo, I work out to be good at football, baseball." You know, like I'm a pro. Yeah. Um, most Super guys, athletic dude. Most guys just like got good at a sport early. And it, it, it's not like this anymore, really. Guys are training. No. Right? Yeah. No, but they're I mean, world class like, athletes at a young age now. But and John Daly. I, I shouldn't even put myself in the realm of actual athletes in motorsport because I am like a total weekend warrior. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you don't have the time. You focus on other stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would, you know, I got a job a, and shit. Yeah, a and job like, oh, and a kid. I am ancient in the world of motorsport, too. If you haven't made it by, like, 20, you ain't fucking making it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because we are in a realm. I was actually talking with Pat Mac about this last week, uh, and I'd like to get him on a podcast. I was trying to guilt him into it when I saw him, but he was talking about, like, he's, I guess he's 55 now. 
Okay. Um, and he was like, he was like, you hit 40 yet, man? And I'm like, yeah, I hit 40 this year. He's like, bro, your best years are ahead of you. He's like, you're training, you're taking care of your body. You're like, you know, you're actually like healthy. He's like, all of your numbers are going to go up. All of your times and all your stuff are going to come down. He's like, when you hit 48, he's like, that's when you have to start being careful because all the other stuff creeps up and catches you. And I was like, I mean, I'll take an extra eight years, but I, most of my friends that are like 32 are like, oh my God, my body's falling apart. And I'm like, I feel bad for you, man. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, there's a difference between like falling apart and not being able to progress. But right? most why my, is it falling apart? But most of my friends don't work out that like complain about that. Oh, I thought you, you know were what taking I mean? a shot at me. No, <laughs> not at all. Because I was like, like, well, yeah, my body's falling apart, but like I run this motherfucker hard. And you've actively ignored injuries. You've short-stroked your recovery from a bunch of things that have happened, like broken bones and stuff like that. Yeah, You time. have. Yeah, every yeah. time that you get injured, you're like, oh, I think I'm good enough now after like two months. And then you're like, oh, I don't know why my foot still hurts. Uh, <laughs> I am now, I think, Four months from five months from my surgery. Thank you. Yeah, but it was a, uh, and that was just a maintenance <laughs> surgery, right? You just got a meniscus. Yeah, that was a right? meniscus scope. Yeah, and you're um, like at the end of your recovery. Like you, you should be back to normal now, right? I mean, I'm not even doing physical. I'm still doing some of the physical therapy protocols, but I'm not going to physical therapy anymore. I quit going because it was inconvenient in my schedule to like plan it when I was completely mobile. Yeah, I really liked it, too. I, I was going to Exos, though, so it was... Phenomenal. I actually really liked the physical therapists at UNC, too. They were solid. I mean, and they liked me being there because they're used to broken people coming in. So, like, me broken, coming in and unfit wanting, people? Yeah, people who may want to nurse an injury the rest of their lives because they're just... They, didn't, they weren't in shape before, so... Now it's their reason to not be in shape? Well, that and I think that people get scared, like, because they had an injury. I mean... Like I had an injury skiing, right? I don't. Oh, I totally that get that. I don't think that I'm not going to ski again. I just think that I'm going to be smarter and I'm going to get lessons and like you know figure out more of the basics before I just put myself in a really tough situation. No, dude. Uh, I get the the fear of in. I so I broke my leg on Fourth of July, 2016, uh, riding motocross. And I had not been on a motocross. I've been on a dirt bike, racing dirt bikes, riding off-road, hard enduro, you know, all that shit. Uh, but I haven't been back on a, like, real motocross track. And those who aren't listening, a motocross track is, like, jumps and shit. What I've been riding is trails that you're not really jumping much. Um, I didn't get back on one until, like, two weeks ago. I took a lesson. Three weeks ago, I took a lesson at a local motocross track with a pro very much focused on technique and turning and all that stuff that applies to the off-road racing that I do. But, uh, I totally get that, man. I had, I've had injuries. I had a, man, I went down hard. I thought I, I thought for sure that I broke my hip crashing, uh, riding off-road in 2011. Yeah. 2011. I crashed super hard and I didn't really ride a bike again for quite a few years i mean it it's one of those things where we both know that it's time to get back on the horse but you think about it and you just don't want to <laughs> you're like 
yeah, I'm good. I'm just going to wait it out. Yeah. When I hit my, when I crashed, uh, that crash in 2011, like I almost, I didn't, it wasn't a bad crash, but I was going really fast. And when I went down, I, I high sided and smacked really hard. And then I almost went off a cliff. So when I say I almost died, it's not like I was in the hospital with an injury for very long, but I literally almost went off a cliff. Um, it's, I did, it took it out of me to the point where I was like, dude, is, is that shit worth it? Um, <laughs> the answer is no, but also yeah, that's it's not going to stop worth you. it. No, I, will say it's, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, uh, I'll tell you this. I didn't take that after I broke my leg. I didn't take that long off the bike. I basically broke that leg, rehabbed it super fast, went on deployment, came back, got out, moved to Arizona and bought another bike and started riding again. Nice. I mean, you can't be in Arizona and not ride. Well, the big one for me. So when I, when I smacked, uh, my hip, it was right before, uh, I moved from California to North Carolina. So I kind of was taking a little time off the bike. I tried to ride. I, a lot of people won't admit to this. I tried to go ride and I didn't have the nerve to go fast on some of the goat trails. Like I just couldn't get it going and I'm not getting paid to ride a dirt bike. So if it wasn't fun, why do it type of deal? Is it, um, and is I it think, in your head where you start to get speed up and you start to think about what it'd be like if you wrecked? Is that where the lack um, of nerve is? Not that's, anymore. That's how I am. No, that's where. No, that's how so I am. even back then, the nerve was not so. You know, when you're driving your truck off road and you start it, start to slide a little bit, and you can feel the slide, and you just kind of control it and keep sliding, yep. um, controlled. So same thing on a bike. You know, you're basically when you're riding really fast, you're on the brink of of your ability meeting the ability of the bike and the traction at hand. And my feel was such that as soon as I got a little squirrely, it was like, Oh no, 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 no. Like I got to shut it down. So I, and I knew that it wasn't the case, but my, my, my feeling and instinct of like, this is fun. I'm like riding that razor's edge was fucking gone, man. I get weird because I am really enjoying myself when I start to push the envelope and then when I'm comfortable in the envelope, I start envisioning what it would look like for me to wreck. And that's the moment where I'm like, I better back out of this shit. Cause I, so that's always when I wreck, like right when I'm comfortable and I'm like, I finally have this is I get scared. I try to slow it down. I quit riding the envelope and then I'm done. So I'm super big on like visualization, um, pre and then during an event. And so I'm a, a firm believer that if you visualize that fucking crash, it's coming. So for me, it's having the uh, maturity to know that if, like, if I was racing motocross, it's only a matter of time before I break another tib fib, a femur, yada, yada, yada. But if you uh, think about it, it's going to happen way sooner. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you, if you go out on that track thinking – so, so what I do is I just – I know that that's going to happen really fast on a motocross track. So I stay the fuck off. Like I'm not going to race motocross. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen at some point racing off-road, but it's, I've been able to extend that time out, you know, years of riding off-road vice, like every year riding motocross of breaking a bone. Um, this, so for me, I question. I'm, I'm, 
like what's that this this begs a question about like i know for years we tried to figure out how to market our programming to full-time athletes you know you know what i'm saying like guys that are backcountry hunters and like specific athletes and the funny part is most people that are riding their motorcycle all the time like their dirt bike or who are backcountry hunters or backcountry skiers or whatever like they only train in the off season and they do their own thing because they're always so active. So like the idea yeah. of them incorporating programming in and like changing up the way they train is really difficult to communicate. It's hard um, and guys are have a hard time on the time thing. Um, and then the other one is like, if you have somebody that's taking shit serious enough. So speaking on the motor side, the hunting thing is we've had a lot of hunters doing our programming like legit backcountry hunters but the reality is there's just not that many guys that are doing it and yep. the the vast majority of them they're like if i have you know an hour or two to go work out they're just gonna go walk because because they're super single modality right yep um but i mean that's i don't the think thing we've with ever like tried to racers like they just don't know like the most of the guys you talk to they're it's like you said you're old are you really old? Because what I'm saying so is no. like, and one of the guys our best years are like 30 to 40 or 30 to 50. So here's a I huge mean, debate. One of the guys I race with, he's 50. And I want to say last year he got kicked out of B class to A class. So after A class, it's double A. It's like, that's the, that's the pros, not necessarily big leagues. Like you're riding for Red Bull. Cause there's only like, you know, a dozen guys actually doing that but you're considered a pro in double A, right? That's the professional. Anyway, he is almost at that level and he's 50. He just got kicked out of B class uh, or he's 49, which is fucking ancient in dirt bike years. And he was like, we were talking about one of the young kids that was going to come train with us because we tr we legitimately train on the bikes, right? Like we'll go out and we have an agenda for the day. You know, we're timing our runs, blah, 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 blah. And one of the young kids who's trying to come up in uh off-road that was going to train with us didn't show and his dad sent a text like hey you still sleeping and the guy that i ride with like well wake his ass up man um but anyway we're talking about a different local pro that's i want to say in his mid-20s or late 20s and i'm like oh he's just he's too old man like that's why he's not doing it anymore because the guy does like training stuff and all of that and my buddy tom that's 49 50 was like i don't believe that shit <laughs> He's like, I'm not fucking it buying either. it, man. He's like, if you put in the work, you could get that good at 30 or whatever it is. Um, I feel like kids have more time because they don't have as many responsibilities and their parents are pushing them. Time so and money, like, man. You, it's, yep. If you are – so this is a very motor, motor sport specific issue. Like if you want to talk running, you don't need any money to get good at running. Right? You just go fucking run. Got a lot of – got to have a lot of time. Right. A lot of time. Um moto you need time and money and so i think that's another reason you see young guys there's a cutoff of like dude if you don't if you're not getting paid to ride by probably 20 22 are you, you gonna foot the bill? Gonna support it right are you gonna <laughs> foot the bill for your kid at 25 chasing their moto dream well no so now if you're trying to make it in moto at 25 you're trying to pay your bills you're not just focused on getting better on a bike you know what i mean it's all those external yeah. factors um but, but i think yeah, that the so, point is most of these guys in any sport recreationally 
they think that they're washed up after 20 something because they had an injury and they didn't rehab from it. And then they've nursed that injury for years and they don't get into a rehabilitative program. Like I'm not stoked about the fact that I'm doing resurgence right now. I don't fucking like it. (laughs) I really don't. But I also know that I need to be doing this stuff because with, I mean, even though I've rehabbed pretty well, like I went to Theo's house last week to film some content and uh, Theo did like a PT checkup on my left leg. And he was like, yeah, man, your left quad just hasn't come back yet. Like it's still really, it's yeah, it's still not firing fully. I mean, I'm at like 80%, but like when we were doing hip bridges, like I was demonstrating some movements for like, you know, essentially strengthening your posterior chain without doing deadlifts. Yeah. Some kind of just alternate moves. And, um, he was like, we were trying to film one side and it was my left side. And he was like, man, your hips are tight. I was like, no, it's that my glutes aren't firing fully. I was like, watch. So I turned and I did it the other side and my right side's great. My left side, I can't engage my glutes and my quads enough to like bridge flat. And it's a really good telltale sign that like, I still need to be doing some of the bullshit accessory work to get it's my leg firing well, again. I do it as part of my pre, like my movement prep now. So the stuff they gave me for, which a lot of it is quad activation. Yep. Um, but a lot of the stuff that they gave me for my knee rehab, I still am just doing it. You know, I'm not doing it as much. Like instead of three to five sets, I'm doing one or two sets before I get going. But still but we get it. guys messaging us and they're like, hey, you know, I just had an injury. It happens all the fucking time, right? And yeah. they're like, what cycle should I do? And I'm like, well, man, like all of the cycles on the app are generally geared towards people who have limitations. But you as the practitioner have to be smart enough to know what to scale and what accessory work to focus on. So like if you know that you have a left leg injury or you have, you know, a shoulder injury, like, hey, we don't want you to go 100% on your strict presses or, you know, like your bodybuilding delt raises, whatever, like be smart about how you do it. Make sure the movement's clean and it feels good and that you're doing it at a lower percentage. Like people just get so hung up on like, well, I'm not where I was last year. And you're like, yeah, man. But if you're careful, you'll be better than you were before your injury, because before your injury, you definitely weren't focusing on unilateral movement. But if you do unilateral movement as part of your program, when your body's healed, you'll be stronger and have better movement quality than you ever had before your injury. Even when you're only at 80%, a lot of guys wanted to do the banger cycles, right? They're like, I want to go do Raider back to back to back or Juggernaut. So the old school grinder shit. And you're like, dude, you don't need that. Maybe once a year, it's yep. good if you're feeling good. But yeah, I'm doing uh, reanimation right now. So, so that's what I was going to say about... Uh, my buddy Tom, that's uh, 50, is he is he's in shape from like working manual labor and riding dirt bikes. But if that dude trained, like put in a, an hour at the gym every morning, dude, he'd be crazy on a dirt bike. But he won't do it. Why does he not want to do it? Uh, he said he doesn't have time, but he's self-employed. He could make the time. It's just a lot of guys don't Priorities. prioritize it, man. And so for me... I've never, and this goes back to, 
you know, previous occupations where it was like, I never want my fitness to be a planning consideration. And I've always Man, just made that my policy. You know, what sucks is that dudes whose fitness should be a planning consideration almost never get factored into the planning. It's one of those things where like, once you leave the wire, guys are like, Oh shit, my beta blockers are kicking in. Could you carry all my gear for me? And I'm like, first of all, I didn't know you were on beta blockers. Secondly, we should have packed way less shit if I was going to be carrying all of your shit too, dude. Like, yeah. but people don't, people don't want to own that they have limitations. They think, well, I'm here. I made the qualification eight years ago and now I'm still part of the team. And right. they're like, no, no, man. Like you need to be, you have to hold yourself to a standard. And the thing that's crazy is it's not just about being on a special operations team. That's it's what I was like, saying. That walks back to like, I'm a, I'm a new dad. You're a dad. Yep. Dude, for most dads, their fitness is a planning consideration for the activities they can do with their fucking kid. Like, dude, bro, they you can't, can't keep up with an eight year old. You're sad, dude. And honestly, a lot of parents, I think that a lot of the stress that comes with raising kids is people being out of shape and just the kid's energy drags them down. And they just like, by the time the kid's ready to go to bed, they're beat. They don't have time. They, they're just like, Hey man, my motor wasn't big enough to deal with this day. And now I'm going to drink a beer and go to sleep. And you're like, what you should be doing is working. on. They're not even drinking a beer and going to sleep. They're going to drink a beer and binge watch. Yep. America's next top model. Is that a, t I think that's a TV show. That is. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call it one. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, RuPaul drag queen or whatever it is, like, yeah, whatever the fuck yeah. they're watching at 2 a.m. Um, yeah. And then I've, they're like, and they're like, oh, well, my sleep sucks because, you know, I have a sleep problem. You're like, your sleep sucks because you spent three hours watching TV while drinking beer because you were stressed out that your kid dragged you down. If you drank more water, you focused on your fucking fitness and you went to sleep at like nine you would fucking wake up at five o'clock feeling rested with eight hours of sleep, good testosterone levels. You know what? Your old lady would still get serviced. You wouldn't, it wouldn't be like where guys like, well, you, and that's what Jeff Darty is always saying, right? The thing that pushes most guys to fix their life is when their dick stops working. Oh God. But most guys are so embarrassed that their dick stopped working <laughs> that they then aren't even interested in fucking their old lady. And then their old lady just feels undesirable and then it's just like self like licking ice cream cone where it's like, wow, a home of hatred. You, yeah. Where do you start <laughs> over? You know what I mean? Like nobody's yeah, yeah. getting laid. The kids are being kids and you don't know how to deal with it. You're tired. You feel bad about yourself. And guys, guys will like go to such lengths to not take care of themselves. They're like, they'll justify it. Well, I've got this knee injury. I'm like, bro, I just had ACL surgery five months ago. Like, what's your fucking excuse? Like, <laughs> you know, like. Well, part of it is you went into that thing strong and fit and could see your feet, right? So you went into that thing not fat, in good shape. You were basically like primed to rehab that injury, which makes it yep. super easy to bounce back from compared to a dude who's not. Um, but then you're also taking a, I hate to use this word, holistic approach to yeah. this but it, it all blends together like i had a, a good friend great dude very uh smart human being has a desk job now and he sent me a text and he's like hey man i'm my body composition sucks i've got all these things symptomatically wrong feeling somewhat down even though he's got this great new he's got a great new job 
um, I'm thinking about doing TRT. What do you think? And I'm like, well, first off, like that's, that's Sweet. not, well, that's Sweet not where person. that discussion starts. Right. And so I was like, yep. well, how about this? So number any single, no kids, it's got a dog. So I'm like, first off, are you sleeping? Second off, are you drinking alcohol? Cause those are the two that's super low hanging fruit, man. If we cut out booze in every night and start sleeping eight hours a night, that kills a lot of shit. And then, cause then we can go down the rabbit hole. Like, well, I'm not sleeping. Okay. Well, why aren't you sleeping? Well, I'm stressed about whatever. Okay. Now, now we start going down the rabbit hole of, okay, how do we treat this stress? Right. Does this mean we need some meditation, some yoga, some therapy? What, what do we need to get you sleeping? Cause once you get to get people sleeping, the rest just falls into place. Well, man. Your testosterone naturally just comes up at that point too. Test I mean, comes up, the rest starts to look good. And that's without even getting weird, right? And so that was where I was going to say, this will be a total bro science podcast. Uh, I was going to talk about my uh, blood work that I just got done two weeks ago, where, you know, my test is through the roof. Um, naturally. Naturally, yeah. Straight yeah, up, yeah. not injecting any of it. Um, my uh, thyroid is hyperactive right now, which is why, you know, not why, but partially why I'm shedding so much weight um but it's not you know i wish i could point it like i've been doing the intermittent fasting which was basically a way for me to cut weight further than i thought i was getting or faster than i thought i was getting weight off um it'd be really easy to point to that and go nope it's intermittent fasting but the reality is the last time i got my levels checked which was about two years ago i wasn't sleeping very well i was super stressed about work um, I was drinking a shitload, not like alcoholic, but I was definitely having a couple cocktails most nights of the week, um, not eating. And now I still, my wife laughs cause she's like, you don't eat, you don't eat clean. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I definitely do not eat clean, but I wasn't even paying attention to what was going down the hatch, so to speak. Um, but I was work, I, you know, back, that was the surprise when I got my that's what people want to bitch about because they're like i love the phrase you can't outwork a bad diet and i'm like oh fuck yes you can because fuel is just fucking fuel but when your body is a toxic cesspool of shit and your gut's fucked up yeah you're, you're stacking overweight. all that shit up yeah yeah like then you can't outwork a bad diet but if your yeah. body is like so if your body is high density muscle you have low visceral fat and you are active you can eat anything you fucking want Basically. Like genuinely. Well, I mean, she laughed. Able- so I started up in my, or so I decreased calories, felt terrible, wasn't losing um, any, like wasn't leaning out. So I was like, I'm going to increase my calorie, calorie intake and I'm going to do intermittent fasting. Cause I did it once before and had really good results. So she laughs. Cause now my goal is four to four, 4,000 to 4,500 calories a day. Um, and I will come home from the gym and have a protein shake. This is for like lunch, brunch. I'll have a protein shake and like six microwavable burritos, which are the worst thing. But I get home nice. from the gym and I'm like, dude, I got to work. And I'm trying to get like 2000 calories into my stomach right now. But she always points to that. And she's like, these are absolutely <laughs> disgusting. And you're crushing 2000 calories for lunch, brunch. Um, but and you're point, still and you're still losing weight. 
Well, so part of the weight, the like now I'm 200 pounds. I got to go get numbers done for like get a DEXA scan done, but I'm really lean. So it's 200 pounds of, you know, basically just muscle that takes a lot of fuel to burn just to exist without eating. Dude, I just, I just laugh when people are like, people get so wrapped around the axle about calorie deficits. Like I don't. Not, not to shit on Drinking Bros Fitness Group. I actually really kind of enjoy being in that group because I see a lot of people that are trying to like change their lives. But one of the biggest mistakes in that group is people are like, oh, I've been living on like 12, like dudes are like, I've been on a 1200 calorie diet a day and I don't understand why I'm still fat. And I'm like, bro, your body's in starvation mode. There's yeah. literally no calorie, there's no calorie count this that is says a 250 pound dude. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not a dietitian, but I can tell you that a 250 pound guy isn't going to lose weight on 1200 calories a day. Well, he will eventually. It's but he may not be the way you want. His body's catabolic and he's holding all that extra fat. So like he's losing dense muscle and storing fat. So like you're working out in the gym an hour and a half a day and you're eating nothing. And you wonder, it's like when you look at chicks that do body competition stuff, and they're like on that, what, 700 calorie a day thing. And then they refeed and you're like, dude, y'all are fucking your goddamn bodies up. Yeah. I don't it, it looks, the, it looks uh, great for like a three day window. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, their like, goal. So to their credit, that's the whole goal, right? Of the, the body competition thing, whether that's bodybuilding, whatever, like you've only got to look ripped. But people transfer that into into real life their real life fitness yes. and you're and like it's not hey, man. sustainable yeah and when people ask me like hey i want a diet tip from you like guys will message me like dude how do you stay lean i'm like first of all i don't always stay that lean like i bounce around between eight Good and lighting. 13 yeah <laughs> yeah but eight a to little rouge eight, on the abs from eight to 13 percent is where i live yes. like at any given point who knows way what more valid be. than that man i am I am consistently eight and a half. Uh, to be let's fair, say, let's say eight to, to eleven. To be fair, I have not. Been, I haven't had a DEXA scan in the last five years that was over ten percent. So okay, the thirteen so you've consistently been at yeah ten. The thirteen percent was back when I was in the Q course and like having a dietitian do calipers, and I'm yeah, just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, cool. Calipers are bullshit. Yeah, but I also scheme. think when guys are talking about this shit, they get fixated on like a body abs. comp percentage <laughs> or, or abs. Or what yeah. they look like. We I, So I did a DEXA scan in 15 or six. Yeah, 15. And I was like the lowest dude. There was a group of like 10 of us that went and did it. I didn't have abs then. Like you could see ab definition, but I, I didn't have like an eight pack, right? I wasn't fat or sloppy, but I did not have what you would say, like, that dude's got a six-pack. And I had the lowest DEXA scan. And my buddy's like, how the fuck do you, like, he had a, he was shredded abs-wise. And he's like, how the fuck do you have a six-pack? I'm like, dude, there's there's different, like, if you don't have the muscular development to support the six-pack, you ain't going to have a six-pack, dude. Um, well, so I started, do, I started doing abs more because then I'm like, well, maybe I better <laughs> put some fucking meat on these bones. Well, the six pack uh, is also a manifestation of poor movement techniques, like constantly bracing your core. You know what I mean? Like, it's like just because you do it 
just because you have them doesn't mean that you got them the right way. No, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to have them forever. Yeah. Or, or like I, every day. Right. Um, but I tell, I tell guys like, look, dude, like you can't fad diet your way into abs. You no can't fad diet. You got to get like, which is why I tell people to get on the app because I'm like, it's really easy. The food's delicious. Gives you a sustainable baseline. Yeah. It counts your macros. And it's so funny though, because guys get on the app and then they try to do a fucking cut. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? I told you just eat maintenance. You, and they're like, but that, that like triples my calories. And you're like, yeah, but you need it. You're a full grown man. Like you're doing 10 hours a day of work. You weigh 210 pounds, bro. Yeah. yeah like you got to feed that or it's not going to, it's going to be bad for you. Right. Then it just goes and, away. It eats itself. And literally. the reality is that in the 21st century, I don't care if you're a guy or a chick, a majority of people have a super toxic relationship with food. That's probably accurate. I mean, they're afraid to eat what they want. They drink even though they know it's bad for them. And then they try to out-train it or, or they don't train at all, Cheech. right? Yep. Yeah. Yelling at my chihuahua named Cheech. Give me one <laughs> second. Yeah. I don't know. He waltzed in here. I see he's on the prowl for something to get into. <laughs> mine, no, you're absolutely right. The, the binging thing is the worst. Like, I'm going to be really good. Monday through Friday, and then I'm going to eat everything for three days. Like, that's not a good plan, bro. What are you doing? Well, and it goes back to sustainability for the long haul, which is like, you got to make changes that feel good that you can stick with, right? Like, if you like to drink beer, then don't stop drinking beer because you want to get abs because you'll fucking just constantly associate fitness with denial of something that you fucking like. Yeah, but I, so what should, I I like is should. the earn your carbs thing. Uh, I think that's a poor way to put it, but I'm big on like what I eat is directly proportional to the work that I did or I'm going to do. Right. So if I know I need if I know that I need fuel in before an event, then I'll I'll fuel in before an event, and I'll usually afterwards fuel in after the event because you just burned however many calories right people are fucked up about that too though right people because are super they use, fucked up because then it's they use like wearables well I mean, like they use wearables, my, but they use it I, as like this weird like checkbook where it's like well i burned a thousand calories i could eat a piece of cake and I, I don't look at it that way i look at it as okay i'm doing a 20 mile run tomorrow i need carbs fuck it man if i gotta get carbs might as well eat the cake you yep. know what I mean? That's like it's I think it's a little bit better relationship. But my baseline is not cake. It's burritos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, burritos. I mean, it's weird because I the whole thing is kind of hard for me to understand in general, just because like I get it. Like some days I work hard, some days I don't work hardly at all. And like today, uh, you know, you called me while I was doing a swim workout. I, I work out with my tattoo guy. Now he wants, he wants to work out. Like I'm open watering and I'm like, that's fucking (laughs) swimming, dude. I just made a word up. All right. (laughs) But what's funny is like, if I ride my bike for an hour, I burn like a thousand calories. Yeah. If I, I got in the water, which I know burns calories and I have my Garmin running and I swam almost a mile 
and I burned like 300 calories. I don't know if I according to my watch. Right. No, I don't either. I I burned way more than 300 calories because I walked in. I so we walked in with a single kettlebell each. So we did suitcase carries. Uh, it's a mile in and a mile out. So we walked in with our our swim gear and a 45 pound kettlebell each, and it sucked because it was like man. Like the, the uneven carry shit over uneven terrain is like a real challenge. But my watch was like, Oh, Hey, congratulations on burning your 500 calories. And I'm just chuckling to myself going, that's not accurate. But like, if I was a person who lived off of my like training watch, then I would think that I have to starve myself. But instead I left there and I ate, you know, a salmon filet, fresh vegetables and a giant pile of risotto and was like, you know, this is a delicious after workout meal <laughs> yeah well, i don't feel bad about it no and you don't have chocolate cake's probably a bad analogy but i'll do the same thing with pasta because i don't eat a lot of pasta typically um but if i know that i'm gonna if i know that i'm gonna need it then i'll um i'll put it in however i you know however i can or if i see fit if that makes sense well um, and i think in i think endurance athletes like people that do tries people that do any long effort so yeah. it could be dirt biking horseback riding whatever yep. they understand that fueling is temporary and so they have to top their fuel off constantly yeah so, well the other like, one i've had so when i started i took my first foray into endurance competitions uh i called a, a childhood friend's father who was a doctor and a mountain climber. He was a podiatrist, a foot doctor, but he was a doctor nonetheless. Yeah, uh, but still he had, counts. He had been a avid mountain climber or alpinist for those who actually care about the nomenclature uh, in college and after college and had done some ultra events and whatnot. And so I called him and I was like, hey man, what is, what's your, like the nutrition plan look like? Like I can slog out all the training. I've read up on that. I'm writing my own stuff. I was a, I was already certified in personal training through some like bullshit online course. So I thought I knew uh, some fitness stuff at this point. Um, I'm like, what does a, a nutrition plan look like? And he explained to me the way that he did carb loading. Um, Cause I had never carb loaded properly. Like when I played lacrosse, one of the team moms would show up with a plate of lasagna the night before the game, which is not how you carb load. It, is that but, not the appropriate way? Because that is the way I did it throughout the entire Q course. So the way he <laughs> the way he explained it to me, uh, and I have done ever since, uh, is carb cutting starts about a week out. Maybe yeah. People people can't see my look of incredulity, but I'm I like, know what? a week to nine days out, you're cutting some carbs, cutting dialing back a little bit. Then about three days out, you start loading. And his idea was basically, uh, I don't actually get the cutting thing anymore. Like if you were already eating them, why quit eating them? But the loading thing, his thought process was like, you don't want to load the night before because if you're not eating them, your body could respond poorly to that food, right? Which I, well, I dude, agree 100%. And but also people that are endurance athletes care a lot about the, the gut, like the way that yes. it sits in your stomach because you yes. don't want to fucking feel sick or heavy yep. or have to shit yourself in the middle of an effort. Oh, I'm getting there. So three, <laughs> three days out, you start going hard in the paint on carbs. Um, 
then the night before you eat something a carb that is easily digestible if you care about that um for me that means something that's not acidic like if i eat a crazy amount of pizza because i've done that one or if i do uh pasta with a tomato sauce that kind of fucks me up the next day it's if i it's had like the, an early morning start it's the acidity right yeah and so um when i i did a uh the raider challenge which is not a crazy endurance event it's like a i don't remember what our time was three hours six hours i mean it's a half a day thing and it's meant for like old broken guys um, <laughs> but danny was taking fitness advice from a fitness company that I, or dietary advice from a fitness company that I respect, but I think they gave wrong. And he didn't do any, he did no carbs before this race. And he was, was not utilizing a fat adaptive diet, which is a whole other ball of wax. Um, so like the night before this race, he, not even a race event, I guess it was a race. Um, we weren't treating it as a race or we certainly weren't there to win. Uh, but anyway, he didn't eat any carbs. He had like a fucking side salad for dinner and like some green peppers. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? And he had some issues. I was massaging his butt cheeks next to the road while he was cramped up. Mm, uh, that's a dream. Massaging Danny driving past. Massaging Danny Dreyer's butt cheeks is the kind of thing that a lot of people pay money to do. Yeah. but So this isn't a shot at Danny in the least bit, but I've had other endurance partners that we're trying some type of, and and one of the guys uh, in my first uh, endurance race, or my partner in my first endurance race, bonked out because he did not start his, um, he didn't do like the three days out carb loading thing. He just like crushed. He literally went to Olive Garden and was like, "I want to eat my body weight and pasta tonight." The night before, endless breadsticks, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he dude this guy was a freak like i didn't think i was gonna keep up with him the whole time we were training and then i don't know a quarter of the way through he's just started cramping and it got worse and worse well you got to keep loading like that's the thing is during the event you have to keep consuming carbs or else your body's like fuck how do i change gears if it's for me if it's over six hours uh if it's if it's like over four hours i really need to continue to put something in but i think that our bodies shut down earlier than that our men- our mental state keeps us going better What's well really so when i say four hours that's my mental calculus of like yep. my body is going to start to deteriorate but i i am able to push to four hours mentally but i think that once you push to four hours mentally i'm done there's no like yeah, that's not a infill for an op and have anything in the tank left that's i am done at four hours and so like you can't revive yourself then either so like that's the thing right is like if you start early so like i used to like drink when i was thirsty now like i'll just set an alarm on my watch yep and i i drink a sip of water every fucking five minutes yep just like a quick sip and then every 15 minutes i'll take a bite of food that i know doesn't fuck with my stomach so like stroop waffles are the shit, you know, like because they taste pretty okay. They're not super dense, and I'll just reach in and have a, like a bite of stroop waffle, and then like I I don't tank then, like I don't feel like I hit that fucking wall. Well, that's critical because you digging out of that hole is damn near impossible. Like when you go it's in impossible. that hole, you're fine. That's when people well people eat a lot then, 
and then they wonder why their stomach's off and they like yeah. get burps and like everything's yeah. all fucked up. I mean, it's also it's funny because we talk about all this shit, right? And I think that people that listen to the podcast are like, well, that's not my experience. Like universally, right? Like guys that are the guys that have our experience and our work capacity, they can commiserate with what we're talking about. But a lot of guys that are listening to this that are in the place where we were talking about where they're like 20 or 30 pounds overweight, they're not happy with who they at. They're like, well, I can't ever be like Brent and Doug. And I'm here to say, like, when I like, I literally just saw a meme from Disaster 4 on Instagram that fucking had me dying. And it's relevant to this because it was a picture of Hoot from Black Hawk Down. Yeah. And it was like, when you go home, you know, the people at, like, they'll ask you, Hoot, how do you do it? Are you some kind of war junkie man? And I'll just tell them, no, nah, I was a lazy piece of shit when I was in high school. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's accurate, right? Like, nailed it. Like, yeah. So I never worked out. And when I joined the army, I weighed 130 pounds and I was like, I had a lot to prove. So like I had a chip on my shoulder and I didn't want to quit, but I was not physically fit. I just showed up and was living at the razor's edge 24 seven. And as I hung out with like Alan Shabaro more and I worked out with other guys and I got in the gym and I started to put weight on, like I went too far one way. I got way too big. And yeah. You're big when I met you. 215, bro. Like fucking, I was dumb and it's stupid it wasn't useful and like then i would go do stuff and i'd start running again and i'd drop down to like 165 and i'd be like oh my god like i'm too fucking up and down like crazy for a couple years yes well dude and a lot of that a lot of that was stress related like i lost all that weight and was running when kim and i were separated in 2014 and i had the dui and my life was in shambles yeah and i also i also had like chemical shit that was wrong with me And, but what I have learned is that consistent, reasonable effort has rewards. And so when guys are like, they want a quick fix, they want to do a 12 week cycle at most, and they want to see all the changes. And I'm like, Hey man, think of the 12 week cycle as a starter. You're going to go really easy on yourself for the first like three or four weeks. Then you're going to step it up during your last eight weeks. And then when you're done with that, we need to change modality and focus on something that's different. That's one of the and criticisms pe- when I talk to people about like business people about our business model. And they're like, what do you mean do 12 to 14 week cycles? I'm like, yeah, it's, I mean, that's like minimum for real adaptation. Like, and they say we long, can't man. keep people's attention that long. You need right? 30 days, like 30 days, 30 second abs or 30 minutes. But the problem is, the, fuck it is the 30 day shit doesn't fucking work. No, it's the it's just binge eating, but with fitness. And that's why when you look at those fitness companies that are selling 30 day fucking programs, they're showing they they rely on super fit people to advertise their shit because they want people to be like, oh, I that guy got that way off 30 minutes. Yeah. For and we're like, look, you can be really mediocre for a really long time. Look at me. Yep. Well, dude, a hundred percent. Like I'm not a high performer, No, but you know, it's crazy when you, when you average it out, you are. And that's the crazy part. You're a slow runner. You're a weak lifter, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, like you look at a real runner, like Doug's slow as shit, man. You can't hang with a cross country runner on a 5k, but you could definitely outrun a lifter, right? Yep. Well, I'm still, I'm still running in the six minute miles. I'm still lifting decent numbers. Like, I mean, I'm still pulling 450 to 500, depending on what my training Post, cycle is looks like. Is that pre-knee surgery? 
pre-surgery. Because now, right now you haven't gone heavy on any of that, right? I haven't. I don't want to yet. I don't, don't feel ready. So I'm just like, don't even but what I have... Man. But what I have realized is the things that I am focusing on, like in my training that I can go heavy on, I'm stronger than I've ever been. So like my bench is super strong. My pull-ups are way higher than they've ever been. My ability to do like my cycling times are all down. My swimming is slow. (laughs) But it's funny because people are, I don't think of myself as as a PT stud because of who I was when I got in. But then... Like guys like Alan will like comment when I post something about like, yeah, my training day was great. And Alan's like, you've come a long way, man. And I'm like, I'm still not as strong as you are. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm still not as good at jujitsu as he is. I never will be (laughs) ever. But like the reality is like, I found a groove that keeps me healthy and happy and allows me to do the stuff that I want to do. And I, I think that if more people were in that realm, we'd have a lot less insecurity about how the people's bodies looked. Well, I think the we've found a good, not even niche, but a good balance there where the gym is really allowing us to do the other shit we want to do, right? It's making sure that your fitness is not a planning consideration. Yeah. And for a lot of people, they either, dude, I don't like going to the gym. That's work. I go there to put in the work so that I can do the other things. And again, not be worried about, can I physically do this? And so if you're not somebody who lives to be in the gym for two hours a day, it's going to fall off if if there's not that intrinsic discipline of, no, 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 I'm doing this so that I can do that. And whatever that is, is the driving factor. And that could be as much as keeping up with your eight-year-old, or it could be, you know, rock climbing, dirt biking, whatever it is. It's also worth noting that people's interests generally change. Like for sure, you don't, you don't see people that are like single sport athletes their whole life. I mean, people who are single sport athletes their whole life find ways to be good at it. Like they win something. They find a race they like. If they're doing that enough, then that is also what they're doing for fitness. But if they're a single sport athlete, they don't have to be well-rounded. Like if you take that dude who is a backcountry hunter and that's all he's done and you're like, hey, bro, we're going surfing you want to come to California for three days? He ain't fucking going. All right. Well, I got to sign off. My kid is going down for a nap. And so I don't want to wake her ass up. Dad life. Later, amigo.